You ready for the word of God today? Amen. Amen. It's good to see everyone here. I see Brittany up there. Hey, sweetie. That was a long drive, huh? Good to see you. Hey, how you doing? Uh, Get your sermon notes out and uh, get ready to receive the word today as we continue in this teaching on the family of God, God's beautiful family. Um, Look at somebody and say, we're beautiful. Okay, go ahead and say that. We're beautiful. Say it. We're beautiful. What? We are? That's right. We are. We're beautiful. Together, we're beautiful. And uh, have you ever come to church and thought, man, I can't believe I wore this? Anybody ever done that? Just sit down in the house. You'll look better. Okay, we blend in. Uh, We're beautiful as the family of God. And so I... I've taught so much about on this topic. It's just, it's, it's so valid. It's, so, it's such a priority. I don't think we understand that we are supposed to embrace one another as the family of God, which means some things that we don't necessarily like it to mean. There's some things we love it to mean. Like when I say God's beautiful blended family, it's like, yes, hallelujah, beautiful family. And, uh, you know, we're different, we're diverse. Uh, you know, we celebrate at Freedom Fellowship. We're just, how many are thankful that God has allowed us to have diversity here? Anybody thankful for that? Anybody thankful? Uh, I, I, uh, I'm just so grateful for that. But there are some things it's like you can go to a particular place where it's perfectly acceptable to talk about it, and then you go to certain area, other areas and you say, please, don't talk about that. It's like, please, please, just make us feel warm and fuzzy, Okay. Uh, so, um, I, I, I think this, I know this will help. I think it's probably one of the most important sermons. Uh, you need to hear it because if you get this, it'll fix so many other items in your life. Today, I want to talk about the teachable family of God. Say it, the teachable family of God. Teachable. The teachable family. You, you've got to get this. Uh, I wish everybody could hear this, all right? There are people in the hallways right now. Tell them to come in and listen to Word, okay? This is that important, okay? Uh, Listen, you won't change unless you're teachable. Did you hear me? You won't change unless you're teachable. In fact, you may do things differently, but you're not really changed because you're just throwing a head fake, right? Right? You can be forced to do some things, but you're not truly changed until you're teachable. And uh, as the family, that's one of the reasons we gather here. If you study the Word of God, you know that the early church gathered uh, at, uh, at the temple, at Solomon's Colonnade. They would gather there, and they would hear the Word of God. Uh, the teaching of the Word of God is a priority it's, it, it matters. It massively matters. So we're going to talk about being teachable. We're going to actually discover and answer the question, are we teachable or are we not teachable? And we're going to look at some evidence. Uh, I'm looking at Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Blessed is the man who does not... You want to read this with me? Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever he does prospers. Whatever he does, whatever he does prospers, 
He's like a tree planted next to a river. Next to a river. He doesn't have, it doesn't, that tree doesn't have to worry about whether or not it's going to get water or not. Its roots are going to grow deep, very deep, and then things are going to prosper. Uh, has anybody ever thought, man, I wish I knew then what I know now? Has anybody ever been there before? Okay. Uh, how many have ever said this? I wish I was paying attention then. Right? Would things be different in your life today had you been paying attention? Had you been listening? Had you been teachable? Uh, so uh, I, I want you to get your notes out. You might say, I'm not sure I need to use. You need, you need sermon notes. All right? You need, uh, you need to learn. You need to be busy about this. I, uh, uh, you know, one of the things that we, we enjoy, you know, is uh, remember 2008 and 2009 when Felicia was an American Idol. Anybody remember that? Our daughter was an American Idol and she made it to Hollywood. She was in the top 25. It was a big, big deal. Uh, I still have some of the video clips on my, on my TV, you know, because I like to look back at it. And, and uh, it was a fun time. It was a fun time. It was always, it was always interesting the way that uh, people responded to that uh, because they would get, you know, right after somebody makes it to Hollywood, I don't know if you watched this particular season, but right after somebody sings and they, they say, oh, you're going to Hollywood, they go, going to Hollywood, woo-hoo-hoo, and then they put a mic in front of their face and they say, well, what does this mean to you? And they say, oh, it means everything to me. And I'm just screaming, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't mean everything. I mean, no, it doesn't mean everything. You need to pay attention right now. It could mean something incredibly valuable, but, but you have to pay close attention. And uh, uh, if Felicia, when she went into American Idol, it was a very interesting season. I mean, she was a worship leader here at Freedom at that particular time, and, and she, uh, uh, she did really well. But when she, when she came home, the one thing that she told me was that it was like a crash course in the music industry. It was a, you, she learned things that she had never known before. Now, some people come back from a reality show like that, and all they learn is that they're irritated and they hate things like that. I mean, they go home crying because when they kick them off, their suitcases are already packed. So when they kick them off of a show like that, you go get your suitcases, they send you to a hotel with a plane ticket so you can go home. That's, that's how they send you home. Looks like they need therapy after something like that. Oh, you're going to be a star, but you're going home now. You know? uh, now, interesting thing for Felicia, she, you know, she met so many people, and her story was so fun because she got to know so many individuals, uh, and as they continued to, as she, as she got involved in it, she actually learned about the music industry. So now, if you watch the most recent season of American Idol, and you look back in the corner up on the stage, you saw Felicia, they pay her to come to American Idol now. She is, she is the director of all the background vocals. She hired all of the background vocalists herself. She was the contractor for all of them. And, and you know, it sounds like I'm bragging. What, what I'm really saying is, is that, that, that if you're not a learner, you'll just go home. If you're not learning, then it's over. You're just, you're having these moments in life. And it's nice to smell the roses, but you don't know how to, you don't know how to grow roses. I'm preaching right now, all right? I love graduation. It's marvelous. I think sometimes I wish they changed the song, Pomp and Circumstance. You know, I guess you got to wear it. Dun, 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 dun. I mean, I mean, it's good. I mean, caps and gowns, I mean, oh, those are exciting, right? That's exciting. Uh, but, but still, 
Uh, I, let me have, can I have that? Just give me one of those. Just one. Just give me that one right there. How many love fudge stripe cookies? How many love fudge stripe cookies? Okay, because these are fresh fudge stripe cookies. Now, you know me, don't you? Here they are. Come on. Anybody love fudge stripe cookies? There they are. Fudge stripe cookies. Come on. There you go. Look at that. I love, she took two. I'm just telling you, okay? She took two. She took two. She took two, two, two. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Three. What? What? There they go. Man, look at the... Then you have a wife. Yeah. See, I knew that. One for the wife. One for the wife. One for the wife. There are about four more cookies left. And here they are. One, two, three. Sorry, gone. They're gone. They're gone. Everybody else just go back sadly to your seats. I just wish people loved knowledge like they do fudge stripe cookies. Right? I mean, I mean, I mean, you say, well, it's different. I understand. But if we had an, app, an appetite for the sweetness of God's word. Uh, help me preach today, Jesus. This, this comes, you know, personally for me. I want you to receive this. Uh, I have spoken to so many people in my life, and here's something that I know is true. There are people that you can't tell anything. There are some folks that you can't, you just can't, I mean, as, as, I mean, look at me. I mean, I've got some experience. I mean, I, I've, been, I've been around the block. I've, I've seen a lot of pain. You know, Pastor, do you know anything about grief? Well, I did three funerals this week. Okay? Three, walked with three families through pain. You know, you know, uh, and you, you know, one was 58, one was 55, and of course, Lerone was 32. Uh, so I know something about grieving. I've had some loss in my own life. I know something about that. Are you ready to hear it? I don't know if I'm ready to hear it. Do you want to know the truth? I, I, anybody love education? Anybody love education? I love education, okay? Uh, it's very interesting. How many remember, not somebody's going to get the feelings hurt here, but throughout this sermon you might get your feelings hurt, so go ahead and lay your feelings down, okay? How many went to the school, went to school like in the 70s? Anybody went to school in the 70s? Okay, so here's the deal. This is what we used to have when I went to school. We used to have a smoking area for kids. We did. Probably still exists, okay? Now, if you smoke, I love you, but what do I need to tell you? What do I need to tell you? Okay, I can tell you stop, but it's very, di How, can I get an amen? It can be a roadblock. It's like, eh, just can't. I'm saying, hold on, everybody. Because we, we told everybody at school in a learning in environment that this is not healthy, and then we provided a place to do it. I think the idea was to keep it out of the bathrooms when I was a kid, but I love education. How many love education? But the fact of the matter is just going to school doesn't mean that you have a teachable spirit. And uh, if there are teachers in the room, we pray for you because the struggle of teaching is, is not about having information. It's like all these eager young minds who have come to listen to what I know. I mean, if, they were, if there were eager young minds, hallelujah! 
It's like, I hate school. I just want this to be over right now. Can I go home? Uh, you know, when is, when's physical education? You know, in the day we had something called recess. Anybody remember that? You know, I, I heard today that people don't have recess anymore. I'm trying to figure that out. But we used to have recess. And, but, but still, I mean, just the idea of going, and especially if you're in public school, in public school education, it has been provided. It seems like it's free, but it's not. How many know tax dollars pay for public education, all right? So uh, that's wonderful. Uh, it seems like it's free. We send kids to school. There's lunch there. They can eat. They get to meet friends. But we put them in a classroom. We got a teacher who is degreed, who is ready and prepared to teach. And there are people that just don't want to. I mean, right now, I'm teaching you, and there are probably individuals that are trying their best to tune me out. Facebook, 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 I don't know, tweet, what, newsfeed, okay. I think teachers are at a massive disadvantage in that we send children to school and try to make them learn. We actually give tests and force them to study. You're going to have to study for this test. Oh, I get to study for this test. Anybody feel the difference? Uh, the great challenge of teaching is creating an environment where children long to learn. The problem is sometimes, how many have ever been young and just full of yourself? Anybody? I want to do what I want to do. And then as students, we graduate and we celebrate, there's a sense of we're finished! I don't have to go to school anymore! Yes! And the, tr the truth is you, you don't have to for the rest of your life, if you're going to get any, if you're going to learn any more, you're going to have to want to. Because higher education is not free. People say well, education should be free. Uh, how many have ever had a car given to you and, and known it was a blessing, right? It's a blessing, right? But uh, how many have ever paid for a car? If you pay for a car, you will check the oil more often. Yes. So you might say, I don't want to pay for my education. The thing is, is that what you, that what you pay for you seem to be more focused on it, becomes more value. So uh, I, I have, uh, for me, all right, got any teenagers in the room? Anybody that was in school last week? I have never taken an SOL in my life, okay? Because they didn't have SOLs in the Stone Age. Uh, but I have taken final exams numerous times, and here's what I know. SOLs and finals are the easiest tests that you will ever face in your life. They're simple compared to the tests that you're going to face in the future. These, these are little tests. And, and if you'll focus, the little tests that you're getting are, are preparing you for the greater tests that you will have in the future because uh, these tests will get you grades in the future you're going to get life and you're going to get joy, and you're going to get hope. So I want to talk to you about becoming teachable, and we're going to examine teachability. We're going to look to Acts chapter 20. Uh, Paul writes this. He's, he's Really, he's making a declaration at a church uh, at Ephesus. He's getting ready to leave, and he says this. I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole counsel of God. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the what? So I proclaim the whole counsel of God. What have you done with it? What are you going to do with my proclamation? 
Uh, and then he says, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. And then he says this in verse 29. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. So get this. You're, how many know you're hearing the word of God? You're hearing the word of God. I'm reading the word of God. I'm, I'm, I'm teaching you the word of God. And I'm also telling you that you need to know the word of God. Because there is destruction. How many know there are dangerous people? Anybody know there's dangerous folks? Uh, there, there's all kinds. I mean, there are religious communities that distort the word of God, actually telling you that Jesus is not the son of God. All right? There are those are religious communities that will tell you that it was not literally Jesus that was on the cross. There are those who have told us that Jesus already came and went away. There are those that do not believe in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are religious communities that are dangerous. I so feel for our chaplains. I was at the funeral this week, and it just kind of always kind of, I mean, God, thank God for, for military chaplains, but how difficult it must be when you're having to pray in a community and you're a Christian and you have to say, with respect to all faiths in the name of Jesus. Okay? And it's, it's, it's pretty much a requirement. You can't hardly say the name of Jesus as a military chaplain these days. And uh, I was thinking as I was listening to that, what, what, is really, what is really stirring inside of me is, one, is I respect that people have the right to believe what they choose to believe. But I do not have respect for all faiths. Because some of them are savage wolves that are trying to take away the children of God and trying to destroy your own faith. Can I preach? So you have to know the truth because in our culture, you're not getting the truth. It's dangerous out there. And some of you know just enough of the word of God to be dangerous. Notice the phrase, the whole counsel of God. In this farewell speech to the elders of the Ephesian church, Paul makes this statement, I declare to you this day I am innocent of the blood of you. I've told you everything. So I'm innocent, but you're going to have to learn what I'm teaching you. It was the fulfillment of Paul's ministry among the Ephesians. He had spent several years there. When he first arrived in Ephesus, Paul had found some disciples who had only heard of John the Baptist and did not know yet about the crucifixion and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he told them uh, in Acts chapter 19 and 4, he told them that John's baptism was a baptism of, of repentance and he told the people to believe in the one coming after him who is Jesus. And, and so on hearing this, he baptized them in the name of Jesus. But he also taught them about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Listen to me, listen to me. Some of you don't mind being baptized because it's kind of like the ceremonial rite of passage. But that's not the reason you're baptized. You're baptized. It is a covenant celebration. It's like a wedding where you are saying, I am with Jesus. I believe in Jesus. And for the rest of my life, I'm going to serve him. And I'm going to follow him. Yes. Cheap little, sprinkle little here and dunk a person here and there. So I've confessed Jesus. He is my Lord. He is my Savior. I am, I am convinced 
that Jesus is the Lord and I'm going to serve him. And then we receive the Holy Spirit. Somebody say Holy Spirit. We all receive the Holy Spirit. It's like, I don't mind being saved. I'm just not sure about the Holy Spirit. Then you don't want to be saved. If you don't want the Holy Spirit, you really don't want salvation because that's why Jesus died. He died that you might be filled with the Spirit of God. I don't know about the Holy Spirit. What am I going to, why are you worried about what you're going to do? Let Jesus accomplish that through the Spirit. So in Acts 19 and 20, the Bible says, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Here's what Paul is saying. He's saying, I've taught you, now it's on you. I can't force you to learn. I can't unscrew your head and pour truth into you. So here's the big issue. I love this psalm. In Psalm 1, the first psalm, this is the way he opens up psalms. I love this. He says, he says, Blesses the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the way of sinners or see, sit in the seat of the mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. The law of the Lord. Immediately when I say that, you're saying, I don't, I don't like the law. You don't understand this, okay? How many like gravity? Okay, like you have to understand that's, that's a law. Did you know that's a law? So, um, so when you... When you see this, this word, law of the Lord, uh, you, need, you can put this word in, instruction of the Lord. Put that down. The instruction of the Lord. The instructions of the Lord. It's translated very well that way. Some people are going straight back to Mosaic law. I think it's important to study Moses' law. You need to know about Moses. You need to know who Moses was. You need to know uh, how he led the children of Israel uh, out of bondage. You need to know these things. These are important things for you to understand as the body of Christ. But, but listen, listen, listen. He says this. Your delight, somebody say delight. Okay, your delight, let's find some synonyms. Your joy, your desire, your longing is the instruction of the Lord. Got, got anybody that's ever put a grill together? Anybody ever put one together, put a grill together? All right, how many have ever done it poorly? Anybody? And you had to go back and find the instructions. Anybody ever tried to put your life together? And you found out it wasn't working right. And you said, well, where's the instruction book? So you went and found people that were in the same mess you were and said, what should I do? And they don't know. And so you say, I used to go to church. Well, I used to go to church. But all those people, you need to get your eyes off of people because we're not here just to look at each other. We are here to receive the word of God and allow him to make us into his family. Amen, sweetie. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the way of the sinners. I'm not walking with the sinners. I'm not sitting in the seat of the mockers. That's people with an attitude. That's what that is. If you want to, mockers, people with an attitude. All right? How I many know you got to check your attitude? But his delight is in the instruction of the Lord. And upon it, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted. He's like a tree. Somebody shout, like a tree. Okay, listen. What are you like? Are you? I mean, I'm going to have to ask you. We want to be like a tree, but what are you like? Are you like a tree or are you like a cloud? Are you like a tree or are you like that, you know, the dandelions when you blow on them? Are you like a tree or are you a tumbleweed? What are you like? You have to answer the question yourself. What am I like? If I'm not like a tree and if I'm not, if I'm a tree, then I'm rooted and I'm, I'm going to bear fruit and God's going to be glorified in my life. And if you know me, you're going to know Jesus because I'm like a tree. And, and when problems come, I'm not going to fall. And just any wind and any storm is not going to knock me down because my ability to stand is determined by the depth of my roots. This is a wonderful body, but we all need to become trees. We live in a culture of weeds. And we, we, 
we find that we reproduce rootless things. Rootless things that leave the church and fail. See what I'm saying? And fail. That's, that's what I want to help us with this morning. Again, if you're not teachable, you're not changeable. If you're not teachable, and I have looked in the face of people with word of God, clear, clearly knowing exactly, how many know what I'm talking about? Clearly knowing what God's word says, knowing that this will change their life and make their life better, and seeing the wall. The wall. It's, it's like a glassy look of, I don't hear anything you're saying right now. I'm not, I can't be changed. The opinion is already founded. They're not like a tree. So, I'm going to give you a really tough scripture here. You're not going to like this, but I'm going to read it to you. It's Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1. You ready? Whoever, read it with me. Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. Okay. Okay. Now look, I read that scripture. It, go ahead, you can do it yourself. Different translations, done word studies on it, because how many know you're not supposed to say stupid? How many know that? You're wrong, because it's right there in the Bible, okay? And uh, whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. And, and again, I know we teach our children not to use this word. Now they're going to say, well, pastor used it. But uh, I've done a careful word study, and, and really it's a great translation. The only other thing that I could come up with in word studying this would be like a cow, okay? Whoever hates instruction is, hates correction is like a cow. That's the best I could get. I mean, it's, it's kind of that concept. So how many in this room have ever been stupid before about something? Anybody ever? So Solomon is considered the wisest man in all the world. Did you know that? Now here's the reason Solomon is considered the wisest man. Because of this moment in his life, in 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 7, God appears to Solomon. He says, Solomon, uh, what do you want me to give you? What would you do? If God appeared to you tomorrow and said, what do you want me to give you? What would you say? Money! Lots of money! All right? I'll give you anything you want. And you've got a list of certain individuals that you would like to disappear. Well, I like them gone. I like them to leave me alone. Uh, I'd like a nicer car, a nicer house. So Solomon responds by saying... Uh, you know, you've shown kindness. Now, now, Lord, let your promise to my father be confirmed, for you have made me king over a people who are numerous as the dust of the earth. Here's, what is, here's his request. Give me wisdom and knowledge that I, I may lead this people. Give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people. So God, God gives that to him. And here's what happens, though, is God offers that to him, and because of Solomon's response, God gave him the rest. He gave him wealth. He, come on, nobody had more uh, gold than Solomon. Nobody. I mean, he, he was the man. He, he had it. And so uh, here's the point. You see, when you, when you get wisdom, you'll get the rest. Okay? If you don't have wisdom, you won't get the rest. Does that make sense to anybody? Why? Because we are all, listen, we are all born not knowing. 
A teachable spirit is everything. And, and the difference, some people say, I just want to move forward with my life. The difference in moving forward is not aptitude, it's attitude. I love, anybody love gifted people? Have you ever seen somebody so gifted? You're thinking, wow, how gifted they are. Have you ever heard somebody like they were famous and had all kinds of ability? They could sing, they could dance, they could do all of that, but they didn't have wisdom. So they're gone at an early age. They didn't have the word of God. We celebrate them and we knight them and we say how wonderful they are. Oh, those people, they don't have wisdom. I'm telling you, I've tried to help hundreds of people who won't be helped. Hundreds. The hours. I just want, I, I just need to be, somebody needs to pray for me for this. You know, I need to be able to look at somebody and just say, well, look, we could talk more, but you're not teachable. Jesus. Is this, come on, welcome Sunday crowd. Welcome, welcome. So, it's impossible to be wise and unforgiving. No, I'm, I'm a student of the word. I just, I just, I ain't going to forget. You hear me? Can I tell you, divorce is always caused by someone who refuses wisdom. Somebody refused wisdom. It, it could be either one. Somebody said, I'm not, I'm preaching, okay. Now, I've told you, as students, if you're going to be successful, you're going to have to be teachable. But if you're a disciple of Jesus, you have to be teachable. So I'm a disciple of Jesus. What does that mean? I go to church. No. The word disciple actually means learner. You cannot be a successful disciple of Jesus without having a teachable spirit. Discipleship is not a course. It's a spirit. It's a lifetime of learning about the things we don't know. Every person who is spiritually mature has a teachable spirit. And, and you know the scripture in, in Deuteronomy 5, verse 9. The Lord says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Now the truth is, we do choose the way we go and no one chooses it for us. Can I get an amen? amen? But if you look at the scripture, the visiting of iniquity, and the word iniquity, you've heard me teach this before, means bent, a bent. So it suggests that a tendency toward negative behavior, which it's because of modeling. You got any parents in the house right now? Okay. All right, just so you know, even if your kids are rebellious, you're teaching them. Okay? God is literally letting us know that the truth about sinful influence is this. In our lives, there's just no doubt about parenting, good or bad. I'm telling the parents in this room, you have profound influence and your kids will either be straight or they will be bent in certain areas. That's why on graduation, you end up hugging your mom and your daddy because if your parents were boastful and unteachable and prideful pe people, you probably struggled a mess to get where you are. So... When we say unteachable, we also understand that you may be teachable or unteachable in different aspects of life. So you say, yeah, I'm teachable. Look at what I can do. So you may be very teachable in sports or cooking, but completely unteachable in marriage and communication and finance. So I'm going to say probably in your life, 
You are very, very teachable in certain areas, but maybe you're not teachable in some more important areas. And probably the areas that you're not teachable in, it's like, Pastor, you can't tell me nothing. You can look back into your family history and you'll find the same attitudes in your mama. My mama was a great cook. Uh, broke, but a great cook. She can make beans. Come on, preach, Pastor. So recognize that there's some things that are not just that are, that are just not working, and it's not about luck. It's about stupid, which is about not being teachable. Preach, okay? So, uh, so now we need to find out because I've already challenged you. Now I'm going to give you some characteristics. Five characteristics of an unteachable spirit. Are you ready? Characteristic number one, chronic failure. Chronic failure. Anybody know what I'm saying? When I, when I say chronic failure, failure, it's you know you're unteachable. How you know you're unteachable is not because you fail. Because how many, I know all of us have failed at certain areas, right? We've all failed at certain areas. But it's chronic failure in certain, in, in your life, like, Chronic failure in money, marriage, parenting, emotions, personal discipline, certain things, like it just, it just, it's like this. It's like I, everything I put my hands to falls apart. And it's chronic. I can never be successful in this particular place in my life. And you just keep trying to figure out why. And the word of God says, Jesus says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And him who knocks it will be open. What? You mean I could have asked? Yes, you could have asked if you were teachable. John 16, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. People say, yeah, that's church truth. Some people think all God knows is church stuff, like when to say amen and when to shout hallelujah. And, you know, God's just into church stuff. He, he knows how to hang steeples. He, he knows about stained glass. That's, that's all God knows. But let me tell you, God created the heavens and the earth. He knows about physics. He knows about science. He knows about math. He knows about things you don't think he knows about. So if you're chronically a failure and you say, what about my emotion? What about my relationship? How many know God knows about emotion? Sometimes people look at me and say, oh, Pastor, you, that's easy for you to say. You've been married. And yes, Wednesday, Diane and I will celebrate our 37th wedding anniversary. Yay, yay. Come on, Clive. I keep bringing that up because I, I'm so happy. And for us, we sit back in 37 years what? How did that happen? You know, 37. Some of you have been married longer than us. Some of you have been married a week, and you're saying, wow, how did you do 37? You know, but I mean, I, I have had the Holy Spirit show me things regularly, and you think Diane and I just work it all out because we're cute. <laughs> I can remember having to go to the Holy Spirit and talk to the Lord. What am I going to do? How am I going to, what, what do I need to do? And it was just, I mean, we, we both, both came into our marriage with some baggage that had not been unpacked. Said, no, what? Yes, we did. Some pain, some hurt, things we had not talked about. And we had to unpack that. And sometimes things that you did not ask the Lord to help you unpack earlier in your life, to deal with earlier in your life, uh, then you come into it, and it, how many know it manifests in other ways? 
manifest. Just a little, oh, okay, what was, what's that about? Okay, hey, you know. Anybody ever have a quiet day? Anybody ever have one of those quiet days? Like, ain't nobody talking to nobody? Anybody ever had one of those? Come on. You say, what, how, do you, how do you manage that? And I remember the Holy Spirit teaching me about value. He just taught me about value, the things that you value. Like, some of you value your opinion more than you value your relationship. Okay? You value, I ain't letting anybody talk to me like that. You need, you need to settle down your neck just a little bit. And you need to walk over to somebody and say, you know, I know we're struggling right now, but we are more important than this. And we need to listen to the Lord and we need to pray. And I can remember, I remember where I was. I remember the Lord doing that. I remember walking into the kitchen and put my arm on her shoulder. She didn't hit me or anything. Thank you, Jesus. And Listen, listen. This church, I came to pastor this church. I, I had worked in ministry, but I had never been a senior pastor I, I do what I do by the grace of God. The things that I know, I know only because my heart is open. I had to work at that. I had to go and find instructors. I actually, I would drive for hours to sit with pastors and leaders who knew what they're doing. I still do it. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, Diane and I drove to Maryland just so we could sit with pastors who are beyond us, who have done things that we have not done and gain more relationships. I get with people every month just to sit and talk to them about what's going on in my life. Amen. Listen, you, you got to decide you don't want chronic failure anymore. How many have ever felt like a chronic failure? Anybody ever felt that? Okay, so uh, another characteristic is an argumentative and defensive nature. An argumentative and I, I can talk to them, you know, you can't talk. An argumentative, how many know what I'm talking about because you've been there and had that? Anybody? Uh, Proverbs 9, do not rebuke a mocker or he will hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Instruct a wise man, he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man and he will add to his learning. You know what this is like, don't you? If you have an argumentative and defensive nature, people can't talk to you unless they're just blessing you. Yeah, everything you say is perfect. <laughs> Interesting, it says if you, if you correct a mocker or a, scoff, a scoffer, he will hate you, but if you correct a wise man, oh, thank you for telling me that. Praise God. The, the way you respond to correction tells you if you have a teachable spirit or not. So uh, you, you get this, right? The way you respond to correction. Yeah, it's Pastor Rick. Can I talk to you for a minute? Oh, yeah. No, I need to, I got this area I'd like to correct you in. What? Okay. Do you have anybody in your life that can correct you? Do you have anybody in your life that can correct you? Anybody that can look at you and say, this is what needs to happen next according to God. Do you have those people? If not, my condolences. All right. Do you want me to go here? All right. Uh, I, can I preach a few more minutes? Yes. Ladies, can I preach a few more minutes? Okay, because I want to show you some scriptures about women. Okay. <laughs> Proverbs. All the wisdom you need is Proverbs. Proverbs 9.13. A foolish woman is clamorous. She is simple and knows nothing. Better to dwell in a corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. 
Better dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman. It is better to dwell in a corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. A continual dripping on a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. Can't tell her nothing. Okay. Are, are we allowed to read that? It's called the Bible. I mean, it's fine to read that. That does not say all women are contentious. That's not what it says. It says that when you end up with that uh, angry, argumentative, defensive nature, then you are impossible to live with. Yes. It's, like in, it's like, oh, great. So, oh, yeah, I'm home. <laughs> now, Solomon also had this issue. He had a thousand wives, so he probably knew a little bit about this. But <laughs> the only thing more ridiculous than a thousand wives is having a thousand husbands, probably. So... How many would like relationships to be better? How many would like in the future relationships to be better? So this is a study from the University of Washington. They studied marriage and divorce for years, and they came up with predictors of divorce. And they, came, it, it, they say that it is a 90%, it has a 90% accuracy by observing your marriage and the traits in your marriage. If these traits are in your marriage, uncontrollable traits, then uh, you got problems and you need to deal with them. One is criticism, a spirit of negativity. Not praising each other, not remembering the positives, always focusing on the negative. That's what the devil wants you to do. All right? It's like, oh boy, can't do anything right. Anybody ever felt that way? Don't look at your husband or wife right now. Anybody ever felt that way? Criticism, defensiveness, not allowing your spouse the right to give instruction or input. No open, not open to complaints. It, it is having, you know, it's, it's clearly an unteachable spirit. Or contempt. Contempt is just unforgiveness. It is bitterness. Contempt, having contempt for one another. It's, uh, contempt is old anger. It's moldy anger. It's, it's anger that's been sitting around that has not been managed and it is bitterness when you let things build up. It's not forgiving on a daily basis. And stonewalling. Stonewalling. Stonewalling means you simply don't talk about it anymore. Uh, we're not talking about that. You don't talk to me, and I'm not going to talk to you. Don't talk to me about the kids. Don't talk to me about this. Don't talk about that. It means I'm shutting the door on discussion. And it's interesting that two of the four predictors of divorce have to do with being unteachable in marriage. So, so they say... This, how can a husband learn how to be a good husband unless the wife teaches him because other husbands can't? How many know what I'm saying there? You know, you know what I'm talking about? These, these, issue trans, uh, these issues transfer to every area of life. It's not just about marriage. You say, what's up with the relationships I have? I'll tell you what's up. It's, it's that... Uh, Sometimes you're so busy being defensive that the pastor has a word or the teacher has a word or we here's something we do. We have prayer time so we can pray for people. He's like, I ain't gonna have to pray. Just do whatever. You need to get over your negative attitude. Stop being defensive and critical and let God change your life. If your relationships are going to happen, you need to, you're gonna need to get over yourself and your contempt. We need help. Somebody say we need help. We need help. So um, and, my, and my wife, my, did I say my wife? 
My wife is a girl, and she teaches me things all the time. Uh, we are a beautiful church, but we have to have open hearts or we will divorce one another. We could learn a few things if we'd put down our, defensive, our defensiveness, if we'd put down our racism, if we put down our sexism. Come on. And we say, Lord, I just need to learn. Okay. Third characteristic of an unteachable spirit, isolation and withdrawal in times of difficulty. A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. A fool has no delight in understanding but in expressing his own heart. Now, a, a good example of this is the news. Okay? It's really good just to be in one place so you can just say whatever you want to to everybody without getting instruction. Do you understand that? But you've got to be careful that you don't become the news broadcaster in your house. Listen, when, whenever we go through difficult times, what we should do is get help, but that's what wise people do. Getting help is not a sign of weakness, it's a sign of wisdom. But when you're not wise, you hide yourself and you say, I don't want anybody to know my business. And the devil loves to work in darkness. Amen? I said the devil loves to work in darkness. And God works in light. And, uh, you know, I'm still dealing with issues. Anybody dealing with issues? I still have to get help for things. And I will, and, and I'm just telling you this. I have to know, I, listen, I'm just going to be, I've got to be frank with you. I've got to be careful or I will get quiet and isolate myself. Anybody else in the same boat that... I mean, you got stuff that's just going on and on. I'm just so thankful that I have people in my life that will hold me accountable and say, don't isolate yourself right now. It's not a safe place. Listen, if you've got it all together, God bless you. But some of us don't have it all together. And I'm a lot more together than I used to be, but I still have issues. And I, I get, come on. And I still need help. Okay. Fourth characteristic, blame transfer. I'm not going to go to Proverbs. I'm going to go to Genesis 3 and 12. The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Anybody remember that story? Adam, Adam has sinned. God comes and says, all right, what's happened? He said, well, that woman that you gave me, she gave me the fruit. So basically, God, what I'm saying is, you orchestrated all of this for me to fail. Blame transfer. The devil made me do it. Blame each other. Blame your neighbors. Blame the government. Blame your parents. Blame, come on. Blame the weather. Here's the fifth characteristic. Feeling threatened by people who have different opinions. All right? People with the same gifting, the same culture, the same inclinations as you. No one will ever disagree with you because they're just like you. Those are the people that are around you. How many know it's dangerous? Anybody know what I'm saying? It's dangerous. Okay. Now, what do you do with these things? I really wanted to bring a shredder out here because that's what you got to do. How many know you got to shred these things? You got to shred these things. You got to be honest about these things and shred them. All right. So we talked about the negative. Let's talk about the positive. Four characteristics, quick characteristics of a teachable spirit. Humility, graciously accepting of correction and input, a seeker of wise counsel, and submission to authority, and, and a pursuer of accountability. You like those? One, humility. Let's say it with me. I need, I need instruction. instruction. Let's try it again. I need, I need instruction. instruction. 
I need help. Try it. Say it. I need help. Say it. I need help and instruction. Okay. Some of you won't say it. Okay. I, I get it. I know you're stubborn. Okay. Let's try it again. I need help and instruction. That's humility. I don't know it all. Come on. Somebody shout amen. I do not know it all. And then graciously accept correction and input. Do not correct the scoffer. We already read this. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. But somebody who's mocking you will hate you. People shouldn't have to lose their dignity in order to suggest an alternative path. A seeker of wise counsel. All right? Don't seek counsel that is against the word of God. Don't seek advice from people who are unsuccessful. All right? Now, a lot of you are single. A lot of you are divorced, right? Am I right? Okay, so, uh, so if you're trying to find somebody that can help you get through your struggle, you might want to find somebody that has gotten through the struggle. Amen? Be careful that you don't have a marriage commiserating small group where you can sit together and talk about how bad your wives are or your husbands are. And then submission to authority. Romans 13 talks about government is of God. Did anybody know that? How many know that's the truth? You say, well, Pastor, you see what the government's like right now? I know. But this, this word came out when Rome was around. They were crucifying people. Okay? And uh, this, this word even so on for a purpose. You can't believe that, can you? I'm just telling you. The government, uh, your pastor. I'm, I'm, I'm saying you may have come out of a background of chronic failure in a certain area. That may be your past, but that doesn't have to be your future. You're going to be a teachable person. Even if your parents weren't, or even if your circle of people that you're around are not going to be teachable, you're going to succeed in life. You need accountability. I'm, I'm going to wrap this up. Today is a day to break the failure, to shift. What, what's going to change in your life, okay? We bless graduates. Uh, somebody say, enough with the failure. Somebody, enough, 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 enough. All right, so we, we've got to break this spirit. We've got to break this. Just bow your heads right where you are. Bow your heads just where you are. Come, Holy Spirit. Let's, let's repent. Let's just repent right now. Go ahead, repent. Father, forgive me. Say it, Father, forgive me. For being unteachable. I'm ready to know your word. In every area of my life. Come, Holy Spirit. Now, Father, I'm praying that we would be a teachable family. I'm praying, Father, that as a community, the Spirit would come in such a way that our hearts and our minds would be opened up and we would learn those things that we have not learned before. There are areas, Father, that you're telling me that uh, have become massive roadblocks. And so, so, Father, I'm asking you in the name of Jesus. I'm asking you. We're seeking you. We're finding you right now that you would forgive us for the unteachable spirits. And we ask now, Holy Spirit, that you would change lives. There are those, dear Lord, that have, been, have looked at their lives and felt like failures. And now, Lord, it's a new day. Life has come. Your word has come. We're ready to be changed. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Come on, stand with me.
Everybody stand with me. Let's give thanks to God for his word. Let's just give him thanks. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you taught us today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just bow your heads. Come on, just stay with me for a moment. So my prayer workers come and stand here. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. I'll come down. Ah. So, there are those of you who have failed, felt like failures. And I think sometimes in past, we would look at that and say, well, you know, if you say I'm a failure, don't ever say you're a failure because now you're just accepting an identity of being a failure. So, I am a child of God. Somebody shouted, I'm a child of God. God did not save me to make me a failure. My identity is with the Lord Jesus. That's where my identity is. Does everybody understand that? So God's changing things. He's shifting things. I don't know how to see this. I, um, when my mother died, I got all of her journals. My grandmother died, I got her Bible. Wow. The notes... The prayer journals of those women is powerful. I mean, it just spoke volumes. I don't know what the shift is. I don't know. Sometimes I think it's maybe it's the technology that we're living with right now. But it's like, does anybody have a Bible anymore? You ever open it up and just mark it all up and read the Word of God and study and take notes and it's like wow are we just here so we'll feel better because we went to church on Sunday you know it's like I long for the word how many know the word of faith is powerful anybody know that anybody heard this before that he sent his word and healed their diseases anybody ever heard that how many believe in healing anybody believe in healing Okay, here's a scripture about healing. If you have any sick among you, call for the elders and anoint them with oil and the prayer of faith will save the sick and if they've committed any sins, that will be forgiven too. All right? I sometimes wonder how many people would be healed if they'd actually overcome that argumentative side of them that says, I don't need anybody to pray for me. Right? Or how about this? How do you overcome sin? You confess your sin. I don't need to talk to anybody about my sin. You probably never read the Bible, did you? Because it's like a big chunk of the Word of God that says you can confess your sins. In fact, you should confess your sin to one another. Am I right? I don't think I like that part, Pastor. Okay. Just keep walking in your sin then. Because something happens with confession is you get open and now you actually have accountability. Right? So these things are powerful. So right now I've got this prayer thing about to happen and I've got a few prayer workers. I've got other prayer workers that come up as well. Uh, but I'm, I'm telling you, 
Now is a good time. Now, close your eyes just for a moment. Close your eyes just for a moment so we can have some confession. How many have felt a lot of, uh, how many have struggled with chronic failure? Just wave at me. If anybody struggled with chronic failure, wave at me. There you go. There you go. There you go. Are you ready to break that cycle? You ready to do that? We're going to need a spiritual breaking in your life. So we're going to pray for you. If you need to give your life to Jesus, you need to do that up front. Okay? So let's just say that. Lord Jesus. Say it. Lord Jesus. I believe in you. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross. And if this is true, say it. I know in my heart that God raised you from the dead. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life by the Holy Spirit. Live inside of me. Now tell him that. Come on, tell him personally. Live inside of me, Holy Spirit. There you go. Now you're coming. You're moving towards this new birth experience right now. So, so some of you that are coming to Christ, some of you who are tired of the failure and you want your spirit to change, I want you to come and confess the sin of being unteachable.